We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. Jason Bender is a martial arts guy and a fitness trainer at my gym. I would see him all the time, working out with clients in the martial arts studio at the gym and on social media. I always liked what I saw, his energy and his spirit. Even though we had never met, I asked him to be a guest on Eager to Know. I am so glad we hung out and talked. I think he is awesome, and I am happy to share my conversation with martial artist Jason Bender. Jason, tell me about what you're doing currently as it relates to personal training and martial arts. Um, I teach at Cheetah Gym here in Andersonville, and I teach um, a, a few fitness classes. Um, I Mondays and Fridays, I, I concentrate on strength training. Sundays is kind of an overall athleticism uh, class where I um, do a little bit of everything, just try to make people sweat a lot and move a lot. And then I have two Muay Thai kickboxing classes, and we'll talk about the differences in martial arts here in a minute. Uh, Muay Thai kickboxing a couple days a week, and then seven and grow seven classes a week and growing is the jujitsu classes so the so is it all group classes they are they are all group classes and then um those are the group classes but i also do uh quite a few um personal sessions that's actually what most of my day is filled with is the, per personal, the personal one -on one-on-ones and jujitsu and a few fitness here and there but mostly the jujitsu is really growing okay so one on, your one-on-one -on -one personal training sessions are usually around martial arts or they Lately, they have been. Okay. Yeah, I used to start most of my business, even two or three years ago, was mostly fitness, and I had one or two jujitsu students. Now it's completely flip flopped, and I have maybe two or three people that only want to lift weights, and the rest are martial arts. So it's all I've converted them over. One of the most exciting things I think about what you do is you have, unlike other jobs, mm -hmm. you have the ability to transform people's lives. And I think I'm very um, envious of you that you you get to do that. Can you tell me, is that, how often does that happen? Um, honestly, quite often. <laughs> it's, it, it is the best part. I mean, I get a daily dose of what everyone is looking for in life. I, I, I'm lucky, I fell into it. Uh, it I don't, it just, it was kind of magical how it all happened. I was not uh, a naturally gifted athlete growing up or anything. So I have this deep understanding of what it's like to not be good at sports, to, to take forever to learn something. And I, I, I don't mind when people aren't good at things. As a matter of fact, I'm like, I, I feel good. Good. Yeah. That's a time when I can take you under my wing. Yeah. So yes, when, when I do have people tell me that I'm the best part of their week, come on, who wouldn't like that? Yeah. <laughs> so, so yes, it's amazing to see. And it's great to hear parents say, well, they, my child acts well on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays and Fridays start getting iffy. And then after Saturday and Sunday jujitsu with you, things are better. So yeah, that's great to hear. Who wouldn't love, who wouldn't love that? You know, yeah. engaging with people that have a lot of opportunity for improvement mm -hmm. is something that you like i do i i just i'm i'm personally to a fault a little bit obsessed with the self-improvement thing of trying to do everything i can to get the most out of these 
this finite time we have on this planet. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I'm just terrified of what's next if there is anything next. So okay. I'm just like, I'm just trying to get as much out of this as possible. And I want to, every single day I'm obsessed with learning. I, I can't, I don't sleep well at night when I haven't tried to learn something about my career, let it be fitness or martial arts. I don't feel good unless I have taken, and I'm talking minimum five, 10 minutes to study something. If I feel like I, if I got something good out of five minutes, I feel better than if I'd studied for an hour and feel like I didn't get much, which is pretty rare, but so I really like to help people do that. Again, I, that can be to a fault too, because some people are like, don't tell me what to do. I just want to come to your class and get a good workout. What, you know, and I try to, it's hard to walk that line, you know, no, who wants to be overly coached? So, you know, I can be, my energy can be a little much for some folks. And sure. so I'm not for everyone. And I think some people think that I, people that see me from a distance sometimes can mistake me for being an overbearing and over pushy yeah. I mean, you don't, so, you don't need to, you don't want to be something that everyone likes. You don't right. want to be a potato chip. Right. Exactly. Right. So g getting back uh, to this idea of people maybe not being the most fit, not being um, familiar with exercise. A lot of times when people are in that position, mm -hmm. they feel it's very daunting mm -hmm. to get fit and they feel like that they're at this huge disadvantage. And I'll never forget, I don't know if I ever told the story on the podcast, but years ago when I was in my 20s, I was a sales rep for a chemical company. And one of my um, distributors, it was this woman, I won't say her name, but she was a Southern girl and she smoked and she drank bourbon mm -hmm. and she was overweight and she was probably, I was in my 20s and she probably was in her late 30s and she was single. And she was a lot of fun and really nice. And I remember us having dinner and her talking about how she wanted to, and at the time I was super fit. Mm -hmm. I was really into like, I would go out to client dinners and get uh, low fat this mm -hmm. and that. And they all thought I was annoying. But I remember her telling me at dinner that she wanted to get fit and wanted to quit smoking and quit drinking and all of this. And I what came out of my mouth, she probably was offended, is I said, I'm so envious of you because you have the ability to transform your life. Mm -hmm. Like you can, if you focus on stop drinking or whatever your vices are mm -hmm. and eat healthy and lose weight, people are going to be like, oh my God, right. that is amazing. Right. And at the time I was pretty fit. So mm -hmm. like, there's nothing that I could have done that would right. have got that reaction out of people. That's true. So I guess I thought that is an example of this idea mm -hmm. of, maybe not being engaged with health and fitness mm -hmm. is kind of an advantage because you, ha you have a lot in front of you to improve on. What my favorite, when people step onto the mats and, or they're afraid to step on the mats, they're like, well, I wouldn't be good at that. And I'm like, well, of course you want, you're not going to. You're, everybody that doesn't know jujitsu is terrible at it. You know, everybody that doesn't do the thing is not good at it. I'm not good at cooking because I don't do it. You know, it's, I could be good at it. I'm competent enough to where I'm sure I'd be, I can butcher up a recipe a little bit, but make it edible. Sure. And if I practice more then I would get better at it, that's the way learning works. And, but the problem is in our society and growing up, we've been fed so much, um, negative negativity about not being good at something. Nobody ever says to us when we're little kids and looks us in the face and says, you don't, not only do you not need to be good at something to enjoy it, 
As a matter of fact, there's a freedom in not being good. You know, I'm an, I, I got my black belt two years ago, which in the grand scheme of black belts in the Chicagoland area, I'm one of the lowest ranking black belts, one of the newer black belts. Does that make me less than? No, but they put in, they put in more time. That's all that is. That's really all that is. And then one day there will be a new baby black belt coming up to me and being like, oh my God, you're a fourth, you're a fourth degree and all this. And I'm going to be like, yes, but we all started the same way. We all didn't know the thing until we did the thing. And that is the most exciting thing right now. Me doing jujitsu for almost 20 years now, a little something like that. It is a little difficult for me when I want to improve on my game to say, okay, I'm pretty good at this, 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 and this. How do I improve when I know I'm good at these certain things? It's, it's, I have to really break down the microcosm of jujitsu where the first day I could walk you into the gym right now and I can be like, you know, what's exciting. You don't even know how to fall. I'm going to teach you how to fall, you know? Yeah. So it's great to be, it's great to be not good at something. Have fun with it. You mentioned something about children not being taught about not being good at things and being comfortable in that. I don't don't necessarily know if I can relate to that. I feel like I was, I did sports. I was Mm -hmm. a gymnast. Mm -hmm. And so that is something, I think sports is a good example, obviously, Mm -hmm. of, you know, where you, there is a growth period, Mm -hmm. period, period. I mean, there's no, there is no shortcut. Mm -hmm. Like any sport that you start, you're going to start not being Mm -hmm. able to do it. Mm -hmm. And you just have to work hard. Absolutely. There are no shortcuts. So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, sports are the same way, but I think sometimes people, especially adults, they're not used to starting things new mm-hmm. that they're not good at. Yeah, it's frightening. So it's, it's very frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a topic that comes up all the time. A lot of the a lot of the conversations that I have on this podcast um, relate to visual arts and music mm-hmm. and things like that. And so I talk a lot of art. It's it's. Honestly, this podcast, it ends up being the same conversation, right. whether, I, mm-hmm. whether I'm talking to a martial artist mm-hmm. or whether I'm talking to a professional mind reader or right. a visual artist. Yeah. Ultimately, I'm realizing everything is yeah. the same. Yeah. There's, there are these principles about mm-hmm. being a human on earth in mm-hmm. 2020 mm-hmm. in the United States that are kind of universal, mm-hmm. which is amazing. I try to, when I teach the little kids... I tell them, I'm like, look, life isn't as hard as you, as people make it out to be. You're going to grow up and people are going to give you all this advice and you're going to, you're going to make bad decisions and that's okay. And all this. And I'm going to be, and I tell them like the two biggest things you got to worry about in life, like work as hard as possible at anything you're doing. And I, you know, I extrapolate on that. I'm like, look, if you're at a job you don't like right now, then either do something while you're working that job you don't like. But when you're working that job you don't like, be the best at that job you don't like. Be the best uh, broom pusher you can be. While uh, while you're not being a broom pusher, go do your singing, dancing, go do whatever it is that you want to do that gives, that fulfills you, and go to school, whatever it is, to get out of that position that you want to be in. And while you're doing all that hard work, be nice. Be as nice as possible to not everyone else. Uh, not just everyone else, but to yourself also. And part of that being nice to yourself is allowing yourself to fail, allowing yourself to have a bad day, allowing yourself to have a garbage workout. You know, people will say to me when I've had people go, well, I didn't go work out because I knew it was going to be a bad workout that day. I wasn't in the right mind frame. I know me. I know my headspace. And I'm like, maybe, but probably not. I'm going to tell you right now, I've never, you you never, you never know till you get there. 
almost 100% of the time in 20 years of, and I'm getting, I'm, I'm kind of riddled with injuries now. So like workouts are hard and it's, and it, it's almost a daily in tears thing where like, I want to do more. I want to, I would love to be a world champion one day, but I have so many injuries going on that just at, at the end of the day, in the beginning of the morning, I'm a wreck. Like yeah. I'm walking around like I'm 100 years old. And one of the quotes that you have on your bio on your website is hard work and positive attitude can make you advanced, advanced beyond your expectations. So obviously we've talked about hard work. Let's talk about positive mental attitude. Mm, yeah. I am a firm believer that your mind is the start of everything. It's everything. How you view yourself, mm -hmm. how you view the world, and how you view yourself in relationship mm -hmm. to the world. And that obviously relates to positive attitude. Mm -hmm. so tell me about that and how you incorporate that into what you... Because when you're training people, mm -hmm. you're talking to them. Mm -hmm. You're not just barking orders about right. reps you're talking, you're, you're having other conversations. So tell mm -hmm. me about that. It's again, coming back to making people okay with not being able to do everything they can do. Um, and I, what I, I actually like to encourage people to, I'm like, look, do that exercise until you just can't do it anymore. Cause that way you don't put a number on, Oh, I didn't get 10 of them. So if I, cause if I see a person beating themselves up a lot, then I'm just like, then don't put a number on it. Like just go until you can't do it till failure, right? Just go for it. It's fine because it's fine. Um, but it is, it's a constant, like I'm way nicer to the other people than I am to myself. Like people think when they, when they first meet me that they're, they think I'm more confident in myself than I am. They're like, Oh, you speak with such confidence and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. Cause every 60 seconds, at least I have to shut down that voice in my head that tells me that. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I shouldn't have done this or I should have done this. It's pretty constant inside of my head. And I just have to do the, do the work. It's the exercise, just yeah. like exercise, just do, like doing your push-ups. Do you think that having a voice like that, um, do you think that is a Jason thing or do you think that's a human thing? From my experience. Now I'm nothing more than what I am. Okay. So I'm not, a, I haven't taken, uh, the, 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 I'm not a psychiatrist who had, who's done a lot of tests or whatever, but in my experience, it is across the board with humans and the ones that don't have that inner monologue. I don't want to pass judgment on folks, but a lot of times they're a little cocky. You know what I mean? There's a, there's that fine line of, we have that dialogue in our head for a reason because we're not perfect. We should, we need our voice in our head to tell us to try harder and things like that. But so we have to find that balance and it's hard to find that balance. Yeah. So it's like you, you have to find the balance where you have it not work against you. Right. And it works, for, it works towards you. And, and it's, and it's not uh, a coincidence that it seems like a lot of times, not always, of course, that when somebody becomes the absolute best in the world, or, you know, in that conversation of something a lot of times they, they're, they're a little odd, aren't they? And sometimes we get this, you know, the easiest one is the Michael Jordan effect. Nobody, I've never heard anyone say, oh, Michael Jordan's a good person. No, the guy doesn't tip. The guy is, is notorious for being rather rude to people around him because he, he's upset. He was obsessed about one thing. He had an obsessive mind. 
he he didn't he's like I'm not going to go for balance. I'm going to go for being the best. And he did that. And he sacrificed parts of his personality. It's almost a you know, I'm a Harry Potter fan. It's almost like he created a horcrux for himself where he's like don't care. Don't care what anybody thinks of me. I'm going to be Michael effing Jordan and that's it. And it's not and again, it's not 100% across the board because we can talk about like artists that are really nice also, but when I hear that what I think of is trade-offs. It's kind of like you, you can't do everything. You can't be everything. No, so tough. if you are going to focus on this, mm -hmm. then that doesn't get your attention. Absolutely. And I, you have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. You cannot be a potato chip where you right. are. Everyone likes you. Right. Um, that, that can't be your focus. If you're going to be successful in whatever it is, mm -hmm. you are always going to be taking, if you're giving 100% to something, mm -hmm. You're yep. going to be reducing your attention to others. I never heard that about Michael Jordan, mm -hmm. but that makes complete sense to me mm -hmm. that someone who is obsessed with the you know, successful mm -hmm. wouldn't, you know, so what if he's not nice to people? Yeah, like, he, did, he that's didn't not, care. He didn't care. Yeah. So that, that, that makes, makes I, sense. A, a coach that, um, <clears throat> he's a black belt on our team and he has a personal training uh, place of his own um, here in the city. And, uh, he told me one time, he said, Jason, life isn't that hard to figure out. You have three things in your life because you have, you have your family, you have your work and you have your friends. Okay. You have those three things. He goes, he goes, I'll throw hobbies in with work. Cause that's, it's work. It's what you want to do. Yep. He goes, so you have those three things. He goes, you don't have time for all three. He goes, pick it. And he goes, and if you do, you just have to schedule it in a way to accept that you're not going to do these things until now. Right. So example, the easiest one is friends. He goes, Jason he goes, have friends, but let's be honest here. How often do, do you need a friend to hang at one? At what age do you still have your friend come over every day and hang out with you? You know what I mean? Yep. He goes, we're adults now. There's a reason we don't see each other. Get after it. He goes, the more successful people don't hang out with their friends a lot. Yeah. You know? And he said, and he talked about sleep too. He goes, he goes, sleep. Yeah. Sleep's important. He goes, but you're going to sleep a third of your life. He goes, get, and he said, find what your minimum is, go to there. And then if you can and do that until you, and if you're healthy, when you're, you'll find out where, where your line is, try to take a nap and you're fine. He goes, but to sleep eight hours straight, he goes, you're out of your mind. If you think you're going to accomplish all your goals and sleep a third of your life away, he goes, no way. Yeah. He goes, of course, find that limit of you know, you don't want to get sick and injured and all that stuff, right. you know, but he made, he, he blew my mind with that one. And I've been playing around with that and it's, it's a tough one. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I know personally, uh, how I do things is I break up my life into roles. Well, I, in, I call them lanes. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was this book called the seven habits of highly effective people. Right. Have you ever read that? I never read it, but it's I, good. I've seen it around. It's yeah. really good. And, um, it's by this guy named Stephen Covey. Um, and one of the things that he talks about is you break up your life into roles mm -hmm. and I call them lanes. Mm -hmm. And each Sunday I have all my different lanes. I have friends and family, mm -hmm. home and finance, Ricky McEachern artist, E2K podcast. And each of them, I set goals for the mm -hmm. week. And I, when I create my um, to-do list, mm -hmm. my to-do list is grouped by these different um, lanes and it re and it relates to what you are saying is you kind of you have your three different things mm -hmm. your friends your family and your work um and i just break it up it's basically that yeah but yeah. i try to think of each one of them 
um, on its own. Mm -hmm. And like, what do I want to accomplish? Like, right. I only have so much time. So when time. I think of my, my, my friends, what do I want to do this week? Who, whose birthday? Like this week I have sure. a friend's birthday and I'm making him dinner. Mm -hmm. Do I have time to be making dinner for a friend? Mm -hmm. I, I'm really busy, mm -hmm. but it he means a lot to me. Yeah. And I'm going to set a time aside because and that's he's, great. Yeah. And it's a lot of time and it's a lot of work. Um, and so you just have to plan. Exactly. And um, in, in the spirit of like roles mm -hmm. and these these big ideas. You are obviously somebody with a extremely active brain, mm -hmm. uh, which is wonderful and exciting, and um, that can work against people. Mm -hmm. Oh, it does all the time. Can you tell me about having an active brain as a mm -hmm. young boy mm -hmm. and how that has worked for you and it didn't work against you? Uh, well, I, it definitely worked against me plenty of times, and it does every single day. It's just like anything else that we've been talking about, right? It's that balanced, um, and I try to make it work for me. You know, when I was a little kid, I was an only child, and I was very influenced by television, and that was the way my parents kind of, you know, television and books, television and books. And, and did you have both parents raising you? I did. Okay. I, I did. It was quite hectic. Um, we don't need to get deep into that, but it was a, a kind of a typical, not horrific, but, you know, father that drank too much, uh, you know, mother had her issues and stuff. So it was, it was rather odd growing up, but I really enjoyed copying things I saw on television, comedians, you know, role, do things in movies and music videos. And just, you know, I just constantly was copying things and, and mimicking them and jealous of people that could be creative. Cause still to this day with my active brain, I can't, I'm not creative at all. I mean, I really don't have much creativity. I'm, pr I'm, I'm pretty good at taking information other folks give me and putting it in with my own spin on it. But very rarely do I, am I like, Hey guys, check out this move I came up with, you know, okay. I, I don't, I don't do that. I don't know what it is and it's okay. I'm, I've realized that that's it. Unless that's something I'm willing to work on and yeah. like try to be creative with, you're, but you're I thought, good at executing, yeah, other, executing I'm, well other people's and I'm ideas. completely okay with that. Yep. Again, why waste? I don't want to say waste my time, but it's not important enough for me. I'd rather just get, I'd rather just have somebody else do the legwork for me. <laughs> so like, for example, there's instructional videos for everything out there and jujitsu is a huge one and I can just get, Oh, this world champion tells me how to do this move. Great. Let's do that. But ways it has worked against me is the obvious that when you're the type of person that doesn't have much of a filter, people can be offended. And even if you, I don't, I don't mean to be offended or I've had people just tell me that my energy is too strong and you know that, um, nobody ever has a problem telling an extrovert that they're too much, but it's rude when the extrovert tells the introvert to talk. I've noticed that I don't want to do a woe is me thing, but there has been quite a few times where people are like, wow, you're just too much. And I'm like, that's pretty rude. I'm like, do you not think that just because I'm an extrovert that I don't have feelings? And I want to know. And, and then when I ask him, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll come back later and I'll be really upset and almost in tears. I'll be like, I'm sorry if I did something to offend you. And they're like, oh, you didn't offend me or anything. You're just a lot. And I'm like, wow, well, you're not enough. How about that? And I just want to just yell that to him. I'm like, well, that's a rude thing to say. Yeah. So, you know, and maybe I did say something offensive and they don't want to be uncomfortable and tell me something, you know, and I have at times just said offensive things to people too. That's, that's, just, that's very interesting that you said that about people not 
not saying things to introverts, but saying it to extroverts. Yeah. I never really thought of it that way. It reminds me of a time that when I was in a work situation and I was, I had lost weight because I was um, working out really hard mm -hmm. and I was really fit and I thought I looked great. And I remember there was this woman who was really, mm -hmm. really big and she, she was my client and she said something in a meeting about Ricky, you're looking too skinny. Oh yeah. Like in a disgusted way in the middle of like a conference room and I thought that was shocking that mm -hmm. I wasn't offended, mm -hmm. but who knows? What if I was struggling yeah. or yeah. whatever? I thought that was so odd that that was a reasonable thing to say, mm -hmm. whereas I would never say, right. not the uh, Susie, that's not her name. Wow, right. you're looking really big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's, isn't that interesting? It is. It, it's, and it's okay, I guess. You know, I people don't know, and I have... Again, like I'm just saying, like I was just saying is I, I like to make people laugh as much as possible and jokes are like, uh, pitches in baseball. Sometimes you, yeah. you, you whiff and, um, sometimes you accidentally hit the batter, you know, and, and then you feel bad. You like, you yep. offend somebody or you hurt their feelings, you know, which doesn't happen a ton. I try really hard to, to know my audience. <laughs> um, but you know, when that does happen, boy, is it one of the worst feelings in the world. And I can pretty much name them off. That's how much they have stuck with me, which is good Yeah. because you should be pointed out when your behavior does hurt someone's feelings and you could have just not said something. Sure. So when you were a kid and you had this active brain, did at some point physical activities, sports or what have you assist with you redirecting energy into a positive way? I was in middle school and uh, a martial artist moved to town. I had been obsessed with martial arts since I was a little kid. My hometown for a while didn't even have a library. We had a bookmobile. So, so how would you even know about martial arts as a little kid? Oh, my Kung Fu theater with my dad on the couch on Saturday mornings. That's like, oh, okay. And best. did you live in a small town? Yeah, very place? small, very small. Oh, small Three town. stoplights. Yeah. And like I said, not even a library. The bookmobile would come to town and I'd get martial arts books. Yeah, it was great. I always um, heard about the bookmobile, mm -hmm. but we never, I lived in a I big, can still smell it. I lived in a big suburb of Boston. And mm -hmm. so we had a library. Right. So I always wanted to go to the bookmobile. I mm -hmm. had heard about it. And it was great because you could request <laughs> books and they would bring it back to you. Like, these are for you. Like, nice. oh, it's so exciting. So when this martial artist moved to, uh, or just opened a place where, where we were living at the time and I took, I signed up there, boy, did my mom see a difference in me. She was like, wow, he's so calm and, you know, and all this. So yeah, that was the start of it. And what were you doing for martial arts? And not that um, I'm, I'm not that, that familiar was, with the landscape of martial arts. It was, uh, it was basically a derivative of Taekwondo, which is, you know, um, very pretty kicky kind of. So it was a kicky one-on-one -on -one yeah. type thing. Yeah. So were you fit? You were physically engaging with another kid or yeah. an adult? Uh, well, uh, there wasn't a, since we were so little, we didn't do a ton of spar, like, Hard sparring and Taekwondo is very, it's criticized because it's very touch, like touch. And that's a point, you know, so they, they tried to make it safe. So that's hollow. Okay. And how old were you? Grew. I was, I don't know, middle school. So I was like, I don't know, seven, sixth or seventh grade. Okay. So you went into mm -hmm. this thing mm -hmm. where you were having physical, was it extremely physical? Like you were exhausted? It was the workout I'd ever done. Okay. So you it was know? a hard so, workout. Yeah, I mean, I was a, like I said, I was not an active kid growing up. I, I rode the pine in baseball growing up. I liked baseball as a kid. I liked it a lot, but I was not good at it at all. And also baseball is not very physical because no, you're standing no, around a lot. I so, don't even call it a sport. It's a skills game, but that's another conversation for okay. later. <laughs> so your mom said mm -hmm. your behavior changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not like I was a bad kid anyways. I just had a lot of energy. You know, my my mom was told, and I specifically remember, and here's a, 
it started when I was a little kid of people going, boy, he sure does run around a lot and he sure does like to perform and stuff. And people, some people are turned off by that. And they're like, you know, they have pills for that now, Debbie. And she's like, no, I'm not going to put my kid on pills. You know, she, she's like, no, he's fine. Like, is he hurting you? No, he's just active and likes to, I liked, I enjoyed being the center of attention. And I was like, you know, Hey, Robin Williams did this, look at this, you know? But yeah, then, so then I didn't get to the martial artist moved out of town and then I went several years again without any physical activity at all, avoiding all physical activity at all. My dad would have to drag me to go fishing and I was like, ugh, can I just stay in my room? And then uh, my freshman year of high school, I joined the football team just to have something to do because I, I, I had moved, we moved again, moved back to my hometown that I grew up in, um, middle school in a different place. In football, and you're a little guy. I'm, I am a little how guy. T- how tall are you? Five, nine. The only, my hometown was so small. I graduated like 55 people, right? So to get on the football team, they said, you just have to weigh 135 pounds for safety purposes. I stepped on the scale and the coach was like, you don't weigh 135 pounds. And I just looked at him. I'm like, I just go, come on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 14 years old. You know, I'm going to grow. I'll be 135 by the end of the year. And right. he's like, get out. And he just point, just stuck his thumb out and wrote down 135. And I probably weighed 125. Oh yeah, I was leveled on a daily basis, just leveled. <laughs> and, and what was that experience like? Oh, it was, was both it? empowering and horrific at the same time. And I yeah. found out that, you know, just something in my guts growing up watching Rocky and all these things. I was like, I'm not going to let these guys win. I will take the ass whipping over and over again. And I'm just going to get up every single time. If I can't beat you, I'm at least going to let you know I'm not beaten. So even if you kick my butt royally, I'm going to stand up bloody and beaten and smile at you and go, do you got another round in you? So wait a minute. How, how old were you when you were thinking that? 14? Freshman year of high school. How, so whatever where, do, where, does that, where does that mindset come from? Do you, do you think? Okay. So you and think. And I'm not joking. Yeah. Like I grew up watching things like that and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Sylvester Stallone is the man and you know Schwarzenegger and all these, you know, Hulk Hogan. I mean, it definitely had an influence on me. Yeah. Ro- Rocky is is such a great movie oh it's phenomenal and i, mean, I the first one is great and it, the first it, one is amazing the first and one's amazing for people that have that are listening that have not seen that movie i saw like rocky two and three and all those mm. first and i and so i'm like because they were cheesy the two right, they were three, cheesy. four cheesy i wish they never Five. made the sequels right because the first movie is amazing you? and it's mm-hmm. like this low budget mm-hmm. beautiful he wrote story it. i know he wrote, wrote it and he you know who it. was supposed to be rocky uh, uh, Paul Newman, I, I believe. If really? Somebody can Google that if they want, but I'm I'm 99 sure wow. it was. They were gonna. They wanted to buy the screenplay and said we need Paul Newman. First of all, I love Paul Newman. Come on, he's one of. He's an icon. Yep. Can you imagine him as Rocky? No. You can't imagine. Too pretty. You can't imagine anybody can't imagine other anybody than Sylvester. So, so he wrote that movie and he was Rocky. He used his dog. He used his turtles. He used his brother. You know. It's, Adrian. Oh, I mean, it's all just, the best. So I, I drank the Kool-Aid of the American story that I can, you know, and, 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 and I just thought that at minimum I can, again, I may, you don't necessarily have to be good at the thing, but if I can just stay in those trenches and I just got I, the, the coach, I'll never forget. He was like, at one point when I was even getting bigger, I started to lift in weights. I started getting obsessed with just powerlifting at that time. I remember he thought, well, let's move you to center, which if anybody doesn't know that, that's the guy who goes down basically on all fours and he hikes the ball through his legs to the quarterback. 
doesn't look like a hard thing. They make it look pretty easy. And I remember the coach just slamming the ball in my chest. He's like, you can't even snap a ball right. You know, it's like, and I just couldn't help but to smile and, and, and just laugh and go, yeah, this is what you're supposed to do on the road to self-improvement is have people yell at you and tell you that you're not good enough. All right. And I just immediately remember I wasn't scarred from that moment. I was a little, I, it just made that big chip on, make that little chip a little bigger and a little bigger. I'm like, all right, coach, guess what? I'm, I, if I'm not good this year, I'm going to be good next year. By the end of the, by the end of football, was I good? No, but I'll tell you what, to this day, I wouldn't want to be across the line from me because I am going to at minimum annoy the crap right out of you. (laughs) You know, I was going to just, we would have been down and our team was not good. We would have been down by three touchdowns, but I'm going to play that next down. Like you're trying to steal what's mine and I'm going to come after you. And that's the way I try to go about my training too, is I, as much as I love my other trainers in that gym, I'm trying to be the best trainer there. I'm trying to be the one that everyone can look at and be like, yeah, no matter what I need, even if somebody doesn't know me, they're like, that's the guy I want to go to. If I want to take my life to a different place. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. It sounds like the martial arts part of this, like you did football, but the martial arts part of it sounds like it has a more thinking mind part for sure more than so when did that start when did you make that connection that it went to the next level okay it was more than just tackling yesterday all that no (laughs) um so after football then i took a few years i married my high school sweetheart nine months later we got into nald and all this stuff and then i just went i went from working the hometown factory which i thought was my future and i went to college i went to Bowling Green State University in Ohio. And there, some his, history was made, not at Bowling Green State University, but history was being made at the same time where the Ultimate Fighting Championship was coming out. So I had been obsessed as a little kid reading these books and be like, man, if I could have a, a judo black belt and a, a karate black belt, and at this I point, could be a good you, At this boxer, point, you weren't doing any I couldn't. Words. There was nothing around. I was in a small town and there was never anything there. And I you know, I would practice the moves that were pictures in the books and all And you this were stuff. single? You were no longer married? No, no. So I was in college. I had a girlfriend there and everything. Oh. But um, as soon as I went to college, or even before I left for college, excuse me. So when the Ultimate Fighting Championship, if people that aren't familiar with it. So imagine martial arts being a time when nothing was proven, hardly at all. All martial arts were broken up. If you were a wrestler, you only wrestled. If you were a boxer, you only boxed. If you're a kickboxer, you only kickbox. Taekwondo only does Taekwondo. Karate, karate, so on and so forth. Nobody, hardly at all throughout history, there's only a handful of times when like a boxer tried to fight a kickboxer. A wrestler tried to do this. Well, the UFC comes along and says, let's do it. Put out worldwide invitations to people of all. So anybody could fight anybody? Anybody. anybody. And And they had no rules. Meaning if you're a boxer, you're using your boxing training and a wrestler is going to use his wrestling training. Yes. And so that is going let's to find out. Let's, let's see what find happens. out. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and we found out what happened. And what happened? The jujitsu guy wins. Really? Yes. Because it doesn't matter how good of a puncher you are. If I take you to the ground and I strangle you, you can't punch me. All I have to do ever in life in self-defense, one-on-one, no weapons. Here's the caveat. One-on-one, no weapons is get you in a position where I can wedge my bones around you and bend something that's not supposed to bend a certain way, pick a joint, or 
at best for me, worse for you, is wrap my arms and or legs around you and make it so the blood doesn't go to your brain and you pass out. It's not a damn thing you can do about it, no matter how big and bad you are. And jujitsu gets this to that is jiu-jitsu. point. That's what the goal of jujitsu is. I want to, I want to drag you to the ground somehow, some way, however that pick your takedown. This is the beauty of jujitsu is uh, jujitsu is kind of a broad topic for grappling. So we have wrestlers come in to get done wrestling in high school and they go into jujitsu. Now they have great takedowns. Awesome. Good. Those guys are great to deal with because they're already good at one part of it. Yeah. But yes, once you find out, once I have that element of being able to work around your body, it's like game and put over. the wedges in place and wrap my arms around your neck. You can be, I, I tell people, and I know it sounds cocky and I don't care if he hears this. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, like I, he's arguably the greatest boxer that's ever walked the planet. I feel pretty good that if it came down to me and Floyd Mayweather in a fairly small ring and, you know, and I can do whatever I want and he can, and he can do whatever he wants. He's not going to knock me out by, by before I drag him to the ground and right. strangle him. Right. Watching UFC, you came to the realization oh, yes, that jujitsu is the thing. It's the thing. So you decided I'm going to go down the jujitsu path. Oh, absolutely. And how did you become, what does that process look oh, like so, to so, engage okay. with jujitsu? So here's how, uh, here's how this active brain thing can work against you or for you. It depends on how you want to look at the situation. Um, there was a karate instructor the next town over and he was like, Hey Jason, we know he knew of me. I had trained at this place a few times. wasn't a big fan of his. So I didn't go there for training. Didn't agree with his training style and his attitude. He said, he told my friend who, who was one of his black belts. He's like, ask Jason if he wants to do one of these ultimate fighting things that we're doing in a gutted out mall in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I was like, sure. Virtually no martial arts training, just some football and you know. I go in and the guy standing across from me. So if jujitsu is the art of strangling and making somebody's limbs bend the wrong way, yep. your elbow goes the way it doesn't want to go shoulder, whatever. Then Muay Thai is the art of how hard can I throw my bones into you? Okay. So fist, elbows, knees, and kicks. Okay. It's we jujitsu translates to roughly the gentle way Okay. because although it sounds brutal, for example, if somebody broke in here right now and they didn't have a weapon and I take the person down, I could subdue them without hurting them whatsoever if they just calm down. Okay. They realize, oh, this guy's behind me. I can't move. I should just settle down. I don't have to hurt him. Okay. Great. Even if I put him to sleep with a strangle, he's fine. He wakes he's back fine. up in a second. It was just like he passed out. It's okay. So fine. you went into this thing at a... Now, at a, at a yeah. So the Muay Thai is the art of slamming an elbow into the face okay. to make the nose go backwards kicking somebody in the head till they and then they pass out right knocking people unconscious the guy standing across from me is wearing the traditional muay thai shorts me i'm wearing jean shorts i didn't know what to wear i didn't have anything to wear yeah we fight i got i was getting the best of him for a minute until my cardio just got because i had no cardio back then at all so i did pretty good i busted his nose up enough to make him pause the fight i thought i had won the fight which nowadays with the rules the way they are he would have lost the fight once you stop the fight usually they you know, for blood or something, it's over. But yeah, they looked at his nose and they kept him going. And I was just gassed out and won the fight. But I was obsessed. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. So when I went to college to be a high school teacher on the weekend, er, I would a couple days a week go train Muay Thai. And with uh, a friend in college, I would wrestle. We would wrestle and do and try to do jujitsu with what little bit we knew. And then 
every once a month or so, I would go do a cage fight outside of Columbus, Ohio. And that's, yeah. And then three and a half or so years into college, I had another two, three semesters. I was going to be a high school teacher. Girlfriend that I was dating at the time got accepted UIC for grad school. I go, you're going to Chicago? She's like, yeah, let's go to Chicago. Let's go visit UIC. I go, I, you know, this is uh, 90, uh, what are we looking at? Uh, 2000. So in 2000, internet's not awesome, but it's enough to where I, I Google and everything. And I had already known because I pay attention to message. Bo- I was on message boards and all this stuff for jujitsu and martial arts. I'm going to go train with Carlson Gracie, which we'll go back to who that is in a second and go train Muay Thai and karate and whatnot with this other gentleman. So jujitsu. So your active brain was like now redirected yes, to Chicago. Done. I'm, I'm going to advance this. Let's just go quickly. I dropped out of college very quickly after that came and visited. So judo and jujitsu are come from the same family. It's, it's almost the same thing. So like I said, it's the art of throwing a person to the ground or dragging them to the ground. However, we take them down and then making their joint go the other way. So jujitsu started in Japan, some would argue China, but let's not get too deep into that. But Japan, where the samurais, when it was time, when the dynasty ended, I always, I need to remember which dynasty it is. So I sound way cooler saying which dynasty (laughs) it was, but uh, the dynasty ended to where the samurais didn't have a job anymore. It became more modern times. You're looking at mid 1800s. Their job now, because they didn't go around, you know, doing samurai work for the the uh they were basically thugs okay basically where they just went around and did the deeds of anybody that oppressed uh tried to uh go against the emperor and all these things right now there was kind of it's kind of old west where now the only work that they were getting was duels which a lot of times which which is performance no a duel meant i'm gonna fight you i have a sword you have a sword we're gonna fight until one of us dies okay okay and then Wow. They were like, well, do we have to do that? So let's just make it without the sword and just train to not die. Let's open up schools because they didn't, you know, they didn't have a job to do. So they're going to teach people martial arts. Hey. And this is where jujitsu came from? So this is where jujitsu came from. A guy came along named Dr. Hugo Okano who said, let's make this more like a sport. Okay. And he started judo from jujitsu and said, well, let's not worry as much about like the, you know, breaking somebody's arm and all these things and strangling them quite as much as we worry about that pretty throw. And that's judo now. In the Olympics, you watch judo. If you're like, what's the rules of this? Just make it simple. One person wants to make the other person's shoulder blades hit the, hit the ground. And so anytime you see an action movie and a person throws his arm around or under an arm and makes their, and throws them over their hip, that's judo. That's judo to the, to the nth degree. Um, so from that, a, a gentleman who is a student of the creator of judo, Mitsuyu Maeda started traveling around the world and doing these, uh, these fights and circuses where they would go around in these circuses and drum up business and going through the town. Right. So like the people go around drum up business for classes, no, for, for the circus. Oh, for performances. It was somebody's job to go through town and go go into wherever and say, who's your toughest guy in town? Oh, okay. Hey, does Farmer John uh, want to make some money? Okay. Farmer John, fight this little Asian fella. You'll be no problem. Look how much bigger you are than him. Right, right. And he would get his butt kicked, right? And they would sell tickets to that. Wow. Well, they started figuring out. They're like, we can only do that once. 
I can only beat the living hell out of another human being pretty much one time. They're after a UFC, these these athletes are you don't understand. They can't, they're done for probably two three weeks for a while. Sometimes they're so beat up. So they said, okay, let's do a thing where the first night whoever wins will win the rest of the performances, and that's where pro wrestling came from. That is now what we were the WWFE, whatever you want to call it. That's where pro wrestling birthed. Okay. okay? That gentleman, Mitsuya Maeda, ended up in Brazil at one time. A person he ran into was uh, by the last name of Gracie. He said, hey, let's get some, we need some immigrants here. So if you can bring some Japanese folks over and help us build Brazil up, then I will give you a prestigious job and all these things. Oh, by the way, I want you to teach my kids how to beat the hell out of people. That is where the Gracie family come from, came from, who is by far, there's no argument, the most important martial arts family of all time. Okay, I'm not aware of this. The Gracie family, it's... In Brazil? In Brazil. And where in Brazil? Rio. Yep. So beaches of... Or uh, right on the so beaches of Rio. So this is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Brazil, then they change it to Brazilian jiu-jitsu because they said, oh, throws are great, but what happens when you take away that rule of the fight's over if my shoulder blades touch? Why don't we say this ends when you're unconscious? So they did these big fights in, in stadiums, in Brazil soccer stadiums, where... They would bring in, try to bring in boxers. They would bring in, there's another martial art in Brazil called Luta, Luta Livre, which just translates to free fighting. There's a history behind that. I don't know quite as well. They would bring over judo fighters, which sometimes they lost those fights. There's a, a move we have now called in Japanese called Uregarame, for example. It's a shoulder lock. We call it the Kimura because uh, a Japanese judoka <clears throat> came over and fought my instructor's great uncle and the great uncle said, well, I'm in Brazil. I'm in front of my crowd. I'm not going to say I quit. The arm breaks. We now forever call that move. The Kimura named after, uh, named after the man who did that move, that kind of thing. So that Gracie family started the UFC and that's what they did. They started it and they said, we're going to put in a family member of ours. Which family member do we pick? They could have picked so-and-so, so-and-so. There's, there was a, a huge family. The, the couple of the patriarchs of the family had seven or eight kids and then so on and so forth, right? And some fighters were getting a little too old of the, of the, in the family and all these things. They're like, well, we could use Hickson or we can use Hoist. Those are the guys in their prime time. Hickson was built like a Greek god. Still is at the age of 60-something. The guy is ripped. Hoist looks like an accountant. And they put him in the... And they had him wear the gi. They're like, oh, you wear the gi. Wear the gi. Wear the uniform. Yep. So guys would come in with no uniform into the UFC, right? It's looping back around. And Hoist ended up winning the whole thing. He could have lost it for the family there. This is the accountant? Yeah. Yeah. And he beats these guys that look like Greek gods. <clears throat> beats bo- Beats a boxer... You know, wins this whole tournament where they all, by the way, it's all in one night. You know how I said now UFC fighters, when they fight once, they get like, they, they can't fight again for another six months, but, and they even will take a week or two off this one fighting multiple fighters in the same night. So let's come back to you and mm. you obviously mm. got your brain activated about jujitsu yes. and, uh, and tell me a little bit about that path. Yeah. So that's where, um. Uh, one of the Gracies, two of the Gracies actually, excuse me, father-son team, 
were were here in Chicago. That's when I just dropped out of college. I'm like, I came here once, trained with them, and that's where I was sold. I was just, I dropped out, came here, trained jiu-jitsu, found out I could become a personal trainer, and became a personal trainer just so I could pay enough bills to train jiu-jitsu. <laughs> and that's where I'm at now. And now I've now I've I've done it enough to where now I have students taking it with me, and people are having so much fun with it. It's great. Nice. So you are. Are you currently training in jiu-jitsu yourself? Yes. Yes. I, I train jiu-jitsu, judo, wrestling. Me, no, meaning you're being trained. Yes. Like you're taking... Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. All of those different things. Oh, yes. Yes. Again, okay. jiu-jitsu is a vague term that we use to... You could be... Uh, you can choose your path in jiu-jitsu on what you want to be good at. I want to be good at a little bit of everything in it. So some people say, ah, I'm not going to be a good wrestler. I don't need, I'm going to learn the bare minimum amount. Eh, not me. I, I love this stuff so much that I want to be good at a little bit of everything. And I want to get that coveted double black belt of, I want to get my judo black belt. I already have the jujitsu one. I want the judo one too. So I want to be judo black belt, jujitsu black belt, competent in wrestling, 20 some years of Muay Thai. Because when people talk martial arts, again, because of the UFC, the mystery isn't as mysterious now. I can't go into a school and go, whereas I used to be able to go into a school and go, how do I know this stuff works in the street? He's like, right. just trust me. Right. I did this and the guy's now heart it's, exploded. It's all, it's all no, carbon. we know now. We know now that <clears throat> if you want to be a, an effective martial artist, you should train Muay Thai, boxing, wrestling, judo, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I mean, you can sprinkle in some other things in there, but so I'm choosing to dive deep into those. Can you give people that are listening to this a couple of pieces of advice for them to just advice in general? What do you, what, what would you tell people that are listening based on our conversation mm -hmm. that we had? Well, first of all, try jujitsu. It'll uh, enlighten everything else in your life. Jujitsu is a, it's a personal development hack of for life. I'm going to have to take your class. It's amazing. It sounds scary, but it is. Okay. What Joseph Campbell say, if anybody's familiar with Joseph Campbell, he taught myth, myth and mythology. And he taught, he always talked about, uh, brought the hero story back. The hero story always has to be going on a, an insane journey, right? You got to defeat the giant three headed monster. You have to fight Medusa. You know, you have to go on these long journeys. It's never, I woke up and did the same thing every day. I safely went home and I safely tucked into bed. That's not a hero's journey. I'm sorry. And now that we live in a day and age where I could not leave the house for a week because everything could be delivered to me, we better find a way to act like we have to go get our food with a, ni with a knife between our teeth that we had to make from the bone of another animal that we had to get on our own. And jujitsu is a way to do that. Because right now, what are you afraid of? Right. Yeah. What, are, what And where are you challenging yourself? <clears throat> Don't get me wrong. Lifting weights is fine. I teach it because it, it makes my, it makes me stronger for jujitsu and it's people take it. People look at jujitsu like, oh, I don't want a sweaty person on top of me. Well then learn jujitsu so that nobody will ever get on top of you. I will teach you how to not let someone get on top of you. And guess what? If you don't like it, do it. And one, you, you'll find out you get used to it pretty quickly. Two, it's good to touch other human beings. And it's good to do that. We get things from it, you know, and we get this loving relationship. It's a weird balance. I can't express in turn in words that will make people believe me that when I say, when you do jujitsu <clears throat> and 
you're hugging your friend in tight and you're like, is this choke on tight enough? How you build a friendship off of that. It's so weird and, and you probably won't believe me unless you try it. But even if you don't take jujitsu, but go do something that scares the hell out of you, you know, go, go work hard enough to, to question yourself, you know, go past these limits that we put on ourselves because, you know, it's all cliches for a reason. They're out there for a reason, Yeah. <clears throat> you know, uh, you know, the early bird gets the worm, you know, take all these things. You, it's going out and going after it. And if you're, and if you think, well, that's not for me guess what? Whatever that is, is probably not for you. It probably is the thing you need to do the most like dancing. I'm, you can, you can put me, like I said, you can put me in a fight against another man. As long as I know he doesn't have a weapon and I might be a little nervous, but I'm all right. But you tell me to dance in front of 50 people. <laughs> I will be terrified. Right. Right. Sing terrified. Right. Well, let's be honest. What should Jason do? Right. I don't take my own advice sometime because there's only so much time, right? I'd rather go home and study jujitsu, but I should absolutely do that. I should yeah. make myself go dance sometimes. Absolutely. Jason, after speaking with you, I think that you would be an amazing person to be in charge of my personal training in terms of like inspiring me to do more, to be more. And uh, this has been re this has been really amazing. I, Thank you. I, I appreciate that means a lot. Thank yeah. you. Um, where can people learn more about what you have to offer? Uh, BenderMartialArts.com, B-E-N-D-E-R, and martial arts, just like it sounds. Um, that's the easiest way to find me. Um, right now I'm at Cheetah Gym. Uh, I'm there seven days a week. Cheetah Gym in Chicago, in Chicago Clark Street. Yeah. So yeah, and if you're not, and if you don't live in Chicago and you're here and listen to this, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, Bender Martial Arts, or Facebook. Um, and I would love if there's any way I can help you out. Maybe find a school in your area, but go out there, grab life and just try it. You know, if you're in the more scared you are to try something like that, the more you should just go do it. Nice. So yeah, spending time with you. I think you. you are the guy, I, anyone listening to this, you want to be with this. This is the guy you want in the gym with you. One-on-one. -on -one means a lot. Thank you very certain. much. So thank you. This has been awesome. Thank you. My name is Ricky McGuckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast. 